guys, welcome to Cold Film Interview, the podcast where we discuss the films you love, but no one else gets, and we see if they still hold up. Tonight, we're seeing things we shouldn't be seeing, our lives are falling apart, and apparently the military is doing experiments on us, because tonight we're talking about Jacob's Ladder, so let's start the show. Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. <laughs> I did not hit her. It's not true. Clopex. 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 Up yours, baby. Me and Bubba, my little brother, listen to you every night. Where in the hell are we? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hi guys, wherever you are in the world, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate that. Uh, just do us a quick favor. Please head over to iTunes, rate us, and we'll give you a shout out at the end of the show if you leave us a review. We got a new one for tonight. Hell yeah. Woo! So we'll be happy to read that for you at the end of the show. Also, head over to our YouTube and subscribe and like and leave comments. It really helps us out. We'd really appreciate that. All right, guys, tonight we're talking about Jacob's Ladder. It was directed by Adrian Lynn. It was written by... Bruce Rubin came out in 1990, had a budget of $25 million, made $26 million in the box office, was filmed here in the U.S., has a rating of R, and currently sits at a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. I guess if you don't know what this movie is about, after returning home from the Vietnam War, veteran Jacob Singer struggles to maintain his sanity. Plagued by hallucinations and flashbacks, Singer rapidly falls apart as the world and people around him morph and twist into disturbing images. Ooh! As always, I am joined by Kyle Smith. Hey, how's it going? Chris Willenbrecht. Hey, what's up? And Michael Salustio. Hi, everybody. This was Chris's pick. Chris, why'd you pick Jacob's Ladder? Um, I've been wanting to do this movie for a while. I remember this as a child. I didn't see it as a child, but um, my mom talked about it a lot and how freaky and disturbing it was. And I also remember seeing um, this movie box uh, a lot on the on the video store shelves. And um, I don't know why it always caught my attention, but for some reason that that imagery of um, Macaulay Culkin leading him up the stairs um, and uh, the the name Jacob's Ladder for some reason always stuck with me. So um, it's got a bit of a cult following, and I wanted to tackle it on the show. All right. So I'm going to assume that everybody has seen this movie but me. Yes, I've seen it before, and I actually have a similar for, to Chris. I don't know why, but this movie is always stuck out to me at video stores. I don't know what it is. I just always see the box, and it just it it's something that just doesn't leave your head for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't get it. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I saw this film actually in theaters uh, with my parents, and uh, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, so they jealous. took me to this film, and uh, uh, it, it was a film that I I kept returning to. I've seen this film probably ten times. Yeah, see, I've I, this is my first time seeing it. I've been aware of this film. Um, I, it's one of those ones that's always been on my list to watch, but I've just never gotten around to. Maybe because I'm not the biggest Tim Robbins fan. Just really? I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Not that I have like dislike for him, but I've never seen him in anything where I'm like, God, man, Tim Robbins. Is, I love Tim Robbins. Shawshank Redemption. Anybody? Not, anybody? Like, <laughs> the no. Hudsucker Proxy. Nobody. Anybody? No. Nobody on anybody? that one. Nothing to lose. Okay. Anybody? No. Yeah. Bueller. No. <laughs> Not at all. You're right. Fair enough. I, okay, if you're not a Tim Robbins fan, you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those ones that I always wanted to, to get around to watching. So I'm, I'm glad you did bring it up because I finally got to see it. 
Um, and this is one of those ones too. I agree that I would always see it in in the video store and be like, I, I got to get around to this movie because this cover is very interesting. And I've always heard rumblings about like, oh, it's super disturbing and like blah blah blah. So uh, f- you know, finally getting around to it, um, you know, it's it's definitely. I got some questions, mm-hmm. and I want to know what you guys think about this film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I am curious to, to 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 ask you guys: Do you think you got it the first time you saw it, or did it take multiple watches? Well, I was like ten, so yeah, I'm going to say that I you pro- got it. I'm going to say that my uh, <laughs> my intellectual growth wasn't quite there. Yeah, quite mm-hmm. there. Yeah, I didn't get it. Um, I'll, I think probably why I picked it up was because I had always heard that it was so like visual. Yeah. And um, so that's probably why I, what I was going for at the time. I, I probably saw it in my early teens. Um, and I, I don't think I got it immediately. Um, first time I saw it, I was probably 16 or so. Um, I, 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 I can't honestly tell you if I remember if I quite, if I got it or not. I do just remember the ending being very striking to me and like, really like sticking with me for a while like yeah, yeah we can get into the ending later but i at least knew that of what was kind of going on in it but i didn't the second viewing was definitely more eye opening i think yeah i just kind of started playing this and i did that i am in the boat that like chris kind of just described like i've always heard it has visuals like disturbing visuals or disturbing images um, so, you know, I was kind of excited to check it out. I think with those visuals though, I may, it may have been built up too much in my head. I wasn't really sure what I was expecting. Um, I will say I kind of knew what I was expecting after the first time I watched it because I, rem- this movie, um, has popped up on a lot of like hundred scariest lists and shit. And in particular, the, the, the dance party scene where his girlfriend is just going to town with some, like, fucking demon-winged lizard creature with a tail that she's, like, dry-humping. Yeah. And it pops through her mouth and Typical shit. Friday night for me. Right. That, <laughs> that particular scene has popped up on so many, like, scariest moments in, in film-type lists and shit. So I, I know I've seen that scene in particular before. So I kind of had a, an, an understanding of, of what I was getting into. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I didn't. I did. I knew it was a war movie. That's about it, you know, and and that's what I went into thinking. And I knew it was. I I had the perceived notion that it was more or less about PTSD. Um, that's kind of what I went into it thinking it was about. And then you know my opinions definitely changed as I was watching the film. I think yeah. that's what the film wants you to think it's about. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least for a first time watcher. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah, I think so too. I you really don't. I, I feel like they don't. I feel well. I feel like the director does a really great job of kind of like muting the visuals, the kind of crazy visuals, so that it's not immediately popping up in your head exactly what's happening. Like it doesn't pound you in the face. It just kind of it just kind of presents these images and lets you kind of decipher them as you go. And as the film progresses and you get to like the last three quarters of the film. You know, last 20, 30 minutes, all of a sudden pieces start to fall into place. So I think the director did a fantastic job in terms of editing this film to keep it, to keep the audience kind of on their toes. I think that the name uh, apparently has a lot to do with, like, if I would have known what the name meant more, I think I would have figured okay. out what the film was about more, too. What do you, what do you mean? Like, the, the in-movie name or the, yeah, what it's represented no, the, in the, real life? Yeah, what it's representative of in real life. Do we want to go over what that is? Uh, from what I understand, it's, it's, it's basically uh, like biblical. I think it stems from a biblical story, um, you know, basically an ascending stairway to heaven, you know, is is a, a story from uh, the oh. Bible. All right. So uh, here is the uh, definitions of a Jacob's Ladder. 
It is, J Ladder is a colloquial name for the connection between the earth and heaven that the biblical patriarch Jacob dreams about during his flight from his brother. That this one I don't know. A sow, a sow, a sow. I didn't pay attention enough in Bible school. Uh, <laughs> as described in the Book of Genesis. There you go. There you have it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. had I known that, I think I would have probably went in with a better understanding of what this film is about. You know, but not knowing that, yeah. you know, well, I definitely it'll be interesting it. to just to, since you didn't know anything about it, just to get your viewpoints on each scene as we go through it. You know, yeah, definitely. I didn't know that going into it at first either. Um, That's true. I didn't. I didn't know what a like, Jacob's ladder was. But I'm either. sure. I'm sure your views from the first time you saw it to the to the most recent time are definitely different. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, like like Mike said, I think my understanding of of uh, filmmaking in general, and you know watching surrealistic films and kind of under like being able to put like a fragmented things together, like in a, in a film comes a little easier now that I've seen so many movies, but, um, but yeah, I mean, but also they, they relate Jacob's ladder in this film to, um, a drug that is given to, to the, uh, the soldiers, um, called the ladder. Mm-hmm. And Jacob is the, you know, the lead in the film is Tim, Tim Robbins character. So, you know what, let's talk more about this film when we come right back. If you're frightened of dying and, and you're holding on, you'll see devils tearing your life away. But if you've made your peace, then the devils are really angels freeing you from the earth. It's just a matter of how you look at it, that's all. So don't worry, Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, guys, we're back. We are talking about Jacob's Ladder. It was Chris's pick. Um, I want to ask the question right off the bat. Is this a cult film? Kyle? Hmm. What makes it a cult film, too, if it is? I want to say it is, and specifically because of something that Mike pointed out to me when we were watching the movie that I didn't know about, which is um, a shitload of inspiration was taken was from this movie was used to create the visuals and stuff in the Silent Hill game. So the fact that the fact that the movie kind of get, gets a, adapted to other forms of pop culture, I think says something about the movie, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. What about you, Chris? I 100% agree with that, Kyle. I think that this movie has influenced a lot of things in pop culture from music Music videos, um, yeah, video games, um, other films, um, and uh, yeah, maybe it doesn't have like a rabid fan base, but I think the people who know this film ultimately really love it and put it in high regard, um, and I think that maybe ste- de- it definitely stems from the uh, the visual aspect. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, th- I think it is a cult film by this point in time um probably 10 years ago it was called film i think mm. um it, it it did influence a lot of stuff yeah you're right music videos i mean obviously silent hill was like a big thing and it, it's one of the reasons why i personally with my me and my brother used to be infatuated with this movie um because we again we had saw it in theaters with my parents but then on top of that we had uh when silent hill came out you know, we were like, where have we seen this before mm-hmm. and uh you know like buzz on the internet or whatever you know, at the time was telling us that, yeah, hey, it was from this movie and uh, we went back to it and I, that's when we started watching it off the hook and I feel like that's when it really kind of had its like second wind kind of thing mm-hmm. because this is a, I mean, this is a Hollywood 
release. It's not. I, I imagine this was a wide release. Right. It wasn't like an independent yeah. film by any by any stretch of the imagination. But the visuals in it were very different. They were very new. Like it was all practically done. Uh-huh. No, no, no computer, anything in this, and that that's how the director wanted it. He wanted everything to be uh, very as realistic as possible. Um, and so, yeah, which I, we, we've all talked about many times, like how, how much better that can make a film. I'm on the fence about it, to be honest with you. Uh, but this is my first time seeing it, but that doesn't mean it's not a cult film or it is a cult film. Um, but I am on the fence about it because I don't know if it's just a good film that later on found an audience because it was not like it was a box office smash, like, um, but I don't know if it has a, like a fan base or if it's just like no, that's a solid fucking movie. You know what I mean well, by that? Wait, you're asking. I mean, critically, it wasn't particularly like an awesome movie, and box office wise, it broke even. Yeah. So I wouldn't well, say it that mil- it, mil- was... it made a million over. Well, in box <laughs> office, that's, home that's video, it that's probably had even. a huge. You know, it probably made a lot more money on home sure, video. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but definitely. but but what I'm saying is like I don't I. I have not seen this on like an IF an AFI like top, you know, greatest films of all time list. I no, mean, no, either have I. I don't think this is a film that is generally like Yeah, this is just, well this is received usually, by every critic out but there. But I, I feel this movie's usually roped in with with, you know, all the 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 top whatever horror movie lists and it's usually roped in with um other other like weird visual creepy fucking movies from the 90s let me as ask well. you, let me ask you that question too then since you bring that up is this a horror film i was just thinking about that i would not put it in the horror film category necessarily like me either um it has elements of of horror and there's horrific imagery in the film but um it definitely rides that 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 drama thriller line i agree I'd say, like horror suspense maybe it's not you know, straight. It's definitely not straight gore. I mean, it's just, it's in the same category as like a, like if you had like a like a haunted haunted house, like a, like a what lies beneath is kind of. It's definitely it's more suspense. of like a suspense thriller, and that's kind of the category. This well, is. I mean, there I, are. It has elements, but I don't think it's just straight. That's true. Drama. I'm gonna use a buzzword here real quick. That's gotten popular over the past year or two, but um. If this term existed back in the 90s, it would probably be considered an elevated horror film. Elevated horror. Elevated Explain horror. That. Yeah. Elevated, I'm curious. What... Elevated horror is not your typical slasher, yeah. um, you know, like haunted, haunting film. It's it's more psychological. It's like a lot of the the horror that you're seeing come out now, like The Witch, mm-hmm. or It Comes at Night. See, I kind or... of feel like... Go on, I'm sorry. No, yeah, uh, that's what I was saying. That's it. Like, I kind of feel like this film kind of also, like has a lot with, like, Italian horror. Like, the pacing of it and kind of, like, the the idea of, like, whether or not it's all actually happening or not. Yeah. Like, it kind of, like, I feel like, I and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like Suspiria in this film have a, have a similar type of pacing, a similar type of feel to it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the, the Giallo films that were more suspense thriller than not quite, Full horror, right. definitely kind of towing that line, and it was a lot of. I think Phenomenon's a great, great, uh, by Dargento is like a great example too. Not, not, not Travolta. Not Travolta. The, <laughs> one with, the, the, the movie with Jennifer Connelly is a great example yeah. as well. In addition to Suspiria, uh-huh. um, but yeah, they both kind of have that feeling of you're in a dream or you're not in a dream. Is this a, like a nightmare or something right. like that? So yeah, I could totally agree with that that comparison. 
I, I yeah, and the, the thing too, man, is um, and maybe this is jumping ahead a little bit. Uh, for a first time watcher, maybe it's because I've seen a lot of stuff now. Um, but I mean, I didn't find this movie that all disturbing. Like in all honesty, like even this the scene that you brought up earlier of the the demon dance. Hmm. Um, I was kind of like, I, oh, it's par- it's notably tame by today's standards. That's yeah. for sure. When it first came out, though, it it, it definitely carried a little more more weight to but it. Even at, even as I was watching it, I was like, what. What is that? Like I couldn't really make it out that much because strobe lights and all that stuff. I'm like what is like what is it? the tail? Okay, I well see then tail. it worked because that's exactly what the director's intentions were for this film. <clears throat> he didn't want you to be able to know what was what really. Like, and maybe we're conditioned to some degree to want to see everything, but at the, you know he, he, what he wanted to do was never give you quite enough so that your what Kyle loves your imagination would come into play and fill in the blanks. That's why, okay, so a very prominent effect that happens in this film is you get you get this vibrating, shaky, shaky head, head, thing, right? head character, which yeah. basically he shot these scenes in four frames per second and sped it up to give it this jerky, weird motion that nobody had really seen before. And he said that the reason he did that is because, you know, you're missing, you're missing frames, essentially, mm-hmm. in this effect. And he feel he felt that the audience, you know, would feel like they are missing something. There's something darker and sinister behind these yeah. these frames that they're missing out on, um, you know, which which would add to the eeriness of the effect. And and there are other films that have I feel like have have used that not necessarily the shaky the shaky thing, but um, it, like this film kind of does have a feeling of like that you're not really directly looking at anything. It almost seems like everything's like off on the side of the frame. Right, We're just like kind of creeping in. And another film that I feel like does a really good job at that was fucking Alien. Like you never really get a good look at what's going on in that mm. film, which is kind of what made that that monster more of a, a, a like a sci-fi horror than just yeah. Where Aliens, it came out and the things coming at you, you know, from you all. See it all. Yeah, yeah, you see it all. But um. Yeah, I feel like this film does it really well, and they let the mystery of what the fuck did I just see mm-hmm. yeah. be the thing, the driving thing that drives the right. fear. See, I think the more mystery for me was in this watch was what the fuck is going on, rather than what the fuck did I just see. Like I feel like like what is real, what's not real. Like I can tell something's not real, but what is real, and that that was more what I was trying to figure out. I felt like the disturbing images. It would put me in a place where I was like, okay, this, this, this isn't whatever these visions are. He's having these; these aren't real. Like that was my assumption of it. Mm. Like whenever there was a vision or or something like that, or a crazy monster or something like that, I was it, like, again, going into it, it, like relating it to like, okay, this is like a PTSD moment, or this is mm. this is an image of that. And I knew that it was I was taken out of I was taken out of like the reality of it. Whereas it would when it would jump between like scenes of of him and his son. Then I was questioning, like, okay, well, what what life is real? Then, like, is it is it his well, is it his life with his girlfriend? Is that real, or is he with his family? And is his son still alive? And he is just in some other place. Well, I don't, like, I don't I think, think that, you, that gone. Sorry. Well, I think I think what you just said like really validates what the director did because I, I guarantee half the people that went and saw this movie like walked out and were like, "What the fuck just happened?" Oh, and no, I think yeah. that that's that's part of that that's kind of part of the the fun of this movie is, and, and it's totally different for somebody who's seen it multiple times because as you learn more about what's happening in the film, you kind of almost start to play this guessing game of like, wait, is 
is this scene is, wait is he in a dream now or is this real and it's like you you're looking for visual cue, cues with, on on the screen to kind of try to indicate whether he's in reality or not in reality and I, I think the director did a great job I think all the stuff oh, where, where he's in reality is more like harsh light or full light or a lot of fill lights happening and when he's kind of in a weird dream it's very contrasty a lot of a lot more shadow play that's that they that he's utilizing so, I thought, go, go ahead, ahead. Uh, so there, there's a thing in, in literature, I, it's called like psychic distance, which is basically like how close the narration is to like you in, in the protagonist's like eyesight, basically, right? Like you can be far away and you can be v- viewing the, the protagonist from a distance and you're like, you can kind of see everything that's going on or you can be real close and um, you're kind of like in the same shoes as the protagonist. This film, I feel like, does a really good job of that. So your 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 attitude, your 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 what your takeaway from this film, as you being like, what did I just see? What is going on? Is any of this real? Like, I feel like it, that's exactly what Tim Tim Robbins is going through, and the, what Jacob mm-hmm. is going through with the entire film is like, do I even know what's going on? Right. Like, is any of this real? And even by the end of it, not even really knowing what exactly happened. Well, I think at the... I feel like that's the point of it. Yeah. No, I, mean, I agree. I mean, I don't know if you got it, Cody, but, like, I feel like the ending very well sums up exactly what was happening in this yeah. film. I don't know if you took that away on your first watch, but, um, you know, like, reflecting back on the film once you find out what the ending is, mm-hmm. um, I feel like it kind of... Cl- it, it does. It does kind of clear up, like, what was real, what was not real. Right. Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I fully 100% got it because that was kind of my biggest problem with this film was the ending. Really? Yeah. What What part? Uh, the the Just that he... Okay, so spoiler. Okay. Um, Welcome yeah. to Cold Film Review. Right? We do not hold spoilers back. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't seen the film, turn off the show now. I mean, it, it, it's been 27 years. That's right. Statue <laughs> limitations. Can, uh... <laughs> uh, but no, the, the fact that he dies at the end and that he was basically on an operating table this whole time. No, go, no. Fa- fast forward though, <laughs> like fa- like I'm sorry. Rewind it though in the film. Rewind it to when he's with Macaulay Culkin and stuff. Like that's the visual. That's the visual cue to let you know what this whole movie's about. Well, and let's set it. Let's let's kind of set it up. So at the beginning of the film, it opens with um, you know, a we bunch- already spoiled the ending. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, it's okay. Well, let, 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 let's go through it. Yeah, let, at the beginning, at it. the beginning of the film, it's him and his, you know, his, his fellow soldiers sitting around joking, having a good time yes. somewhere in Vietnam, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, suddenly, they think they're being descended upon um, by the en- by the enemy. <laughs> and and you know the chaos ensues and people are dying and freaking out all around him and they're caught off completely off guard and Tim Rob- Robbins gets stabbed by somebody um, in 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 the jungle and um, then he wakes up on a subway and you know there's just from that point on you get this very eerie feeling that mm-hmm. there's something off there's something wrong uh, yeah especially with that lady sitting in the subway which I said what did, like how would it feel to be casted as that. <laughs> we need a really creepy looking old lady and ma'am you killed yeah. it you did it yeah i mean but so he he asked her if he misses stop she doesn't answer she just stares at him with these dead eyes mm-hmm. he gets off and you know that's when the surrealism starts to take yeah, the place tail. you, you see know the tail from the yeah you see person. a homeless man sleeping on the ground and a weird penis tail like thing gets tucked up between his legs he freaks out he can't get out of the subway so he has to go through the actual like down the actual tracks of the 
uh, uh, the, or of the subway mm-hmm. and, you know, almost gets run over. And, you know, he basically then we get thrown into this life with him and uh, and Jesse, um, mm-hmm. who apparently we you know, is his girlfriend. Right. Um, and then we start to learn more and more as the story goes on about his previous life where he was married and he had three children. Um, but you know, like all throughout this story, you're, you're getting all this surreal imagery like dumped into his life in which he thinks he's going crazy. He doesn't know what to make of it, you know? And the one thing, the one thing that kind of caught me off guard that I forgot about is how, like how hardened like Jesse is to him about his past life. Um, you know, it like, I think it's overall in general. She, I was telling, I was telling Mike, she's really, she, she really is a fight, a shoot first Ask questions later. Like, <laughs> it's everything. Like, I can't believe you fucking did this. Oh my God, you have 106 degree fever. I'm so sorry. It's just like mm-hmm. you just shout first and then like realize your mistake and later. And I think that has a lot to do with the, the possibility uh, throughout the film that, you know, there are moments when Jesse is, is shown as being part of like the, the conspiracy, part of like the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the illusion. And, and maybe she is, maybe she isn't. Um, I mean, your takeaway from the ending of this film could, whether or not that whole life is even real mm-hmm. is a question I feel well, like. That's, that... Well, that's like my takeaway of, of it with the beginning and the end, right? So in the beginning, you have the whole like war scene happen and and him getting stabbed, right? And then the end is him dying. So my, perspe- my perspective of the film then is that everything that happens in between those two scenes is basically visions that he's having on the operating table as they're trying to save his life. Y- yeah, so okay. I, I think I, I like... We, we kind of made this correlation when we were off there before we got started, but, I mean, there's a lot to compare this film to Dante's Inferno, and I think this entire film is basically his existence within Purgatory and him finding or coming to the coming to the conclusion, the realization that he is dead now, he can let or go. Or dying. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's time to let go of the past, it's time to let all these things go, and just go with his son up the up the stairs to the light to be at peace and stuff. And I think this whole movie is him is him is his mind like escaping into this false reality as a way to hold on to and not let anything go. His mind is trying to rationalize with the idea of dying and death. Like his body is going through these things on the outside, you know, but on the inside he's fighting against it. His will to live is still there. His will to hold on to all of these things that, you know, his, you know, that were his life at one point are 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 coming and manifesting themselves in his uh, his internal uh I don't know, thinking, I guess. Well, and, and let's not forget that the weird, the, the kind of weird thing about this film is that the implications of the things that he's fantasizing about as being the future beyond yes. Vietnam, right. which is he clearly wanted to, to fuck his coworker <laughs> <laughs> because he created a fantasy where he was with this woman, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and if 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 it's to believe that he dies after that battle. Um, everything beyond that is something that he's created. But also, a weird thing is, and this is the thing that I'm having a hard time. That the, the biggest question I have about this film is his relationship to the um, scientist that created the supposed uh, I have ladder. A theory on that, you do, yeah, because I, that's one yeah. that I, I have a hard time with because it's either the ladder exists or or it didn't the, exist. Yeah, I'm so right talking about you. Michael. 
Yes, the 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 weird uh, the guy that's kind of always around the, chemi- the, chemist, yeah, the chemist, exactly. Who's always saving him from danger, right? Right. Yeah. And this is be- and we can get into the the, the chiropractor later, uh, but this that character seems he kind of like the, the problem with I feel like with that character and even that scene is that it grounds everything, mm-hmm. but it's grounding essentially a fantasy. It's he's existing in a world that couldn't have. There's no way that Jacob could have met him. Yeah. It- at any point in time prior to the war, he's meeting him after in this supposed fantasy realm that he's created. Well, doesn't well, you, isn't he working on isn't he, he in the he, in the chopper with he's him? He's in the helicopter. Yeah. He's in the helicopter. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so 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 Jacob knows sees his face in the helicopter when he's getting rushed to the ER or the stuff. So that's how he has placed that character into so his brain. So do you brain. think that it's a, that's even a real thing? Is what, I guess was what I'm My, asking. Or is it a dream no, what construct I, what that I think he created? It was, what I think it was was it was another way of either his brain or outside forces, if you will, trying to convince him um, to let go. Like, I think him validating all these beliefs and validating the demons or the creatures that he's seeing helps him to kind of come to terms with those things knowing that they're real and as soon as he accept, as soon as he accepts the fact that those things are actually real because he was actually experimented on he from that point on in the film he becomes so much more accepting to the idea that he needs to let go of stuff in so, life so and move on so you're saying that you do believe that he was experimented upon no, I'm saying in his psyche, he created that. That's a creation. That's a creation. Okay. But okay. the reason the scientist exists is to validate that creation, which removes that fear, and then he can And, and it's relax. just the dude on the... Uh, this dude it's just that some guy on the chopper. I kind of want to go back and rewatch the film yeah. and pay more attention to those really quick Vietnam flashbacks and see how many faces of the people around him that you see show up in the mo- in the film somewhere. Well, and that's what I was waiting for with um, Danny Aiello, uh, the, the chiropractor character, is he really doesn't show up in the outside no. world at all. I um, think he's a guardian angel. Which, yeah, yeah, I mean, and they lead you to believe, I mean, even the dialogue, he says, you look like a cherub, you know, you look like yeah. an angel or whatever. And he's like, you always tell me that. But, um, but yeah, like, I, there, there's, a, there's another question that, based on what Mike was saying with other characters, so, you know, his... Um, his fellow soldiers who you see at the beginning, Ving Rhames, a couple other people, like they come back to play uh, into play in the film when when Jacob is feels like he's losing his mind. He actually gets in, in contact with these these guys because um, one mm-hmm. of one of the what do you call him a platoon member, I guess? I mean, yeah, people within fellow his soldier? fellow yeah. soldier. <laughs> Ends up ends up dying. Remember? The car he gets into a car and it explodes and everybody goes to his funeral. And they all decide um, that they're all having these visions. The, uh, the same thing is happening to uh, happening to all of them, except for the one dude, right? I well, think he was denying I mean, it. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah, denying it, and and yeah, that. I, but but so they all decide that they're gonna go go to a lawyer and try to find out, you know, if they can if they can uh, basically, yeah. Well, what's his name? Jason. What? Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander, yeah. who plays the lawyer. They want him to um, investigate. They want him to investigate what the military might have done to to them. Right. But then, you know, all of a sudden they all back out. And I can't figure out why they're all backing out. Does I mean, anybody the, know? I mean, the understanding is that the, they were threatened. Is they, were thre- they were threatened. Yeah, they were, they were. Those guys were threatened. And then Jason Alexander's character, um, he basically attempts to investigate and 
He's ba- he's either shut down or he's threatened as well. But for some reason, they all back out, and I think it's because of like they were threatened by the government. And this is the same guys who pick who pick our main character Jacob up up off the street, and kind of like get try to give him a warning as well. Let me ask you this question too, Chris. I want to know this. Do you because th- I think Kyle kind of answered it. Do you think that the latter is real? Do I think that the drug is real? Yeah. Um, I don't think that I I don't think it was the um, director's intention to ever fully answer that question, but I think that because the film is based on some conspiracy theory that the government did experiment on soldiers during the Vietnam War, um, I think I think that he was trying to showcase what that might have been like if that were true. But I don't know that the film ever confirms if the latter that, is real. I know, but, and, but they give it that, too, at the end, though, they say that, you know, soldiers were tested on, but it's never been confirmed. Like, that whole right. thing at the end makes you question if the character was, at least for my aspect of it, was aware of some experimentation. I think the director used that as, like, a fantastic plot device and and a way to explain, or a, a way to justify or explain the weird visions um, to the audience to get the audience to, to get the audience bought even more into the concept that he's he's alive and well he's just freaking out because of the chemical and the drugs they they they, yeah, but, they gave to but, him i mean he solidifies it at the end after the character's already dead i think the director probably totally believed it and i think the director yeah. was like the director probably believed it as a thing and also thought to or the to, writer or rather. the writer yeah, yeah the writer probably thought well this is also a great kind of a concept to use as as like a character thing in a film. Well, I, I always I always thought he was trying to take a fantastical approach to like the yes. whole Agent Orange situation. Well, no, there's actual theories behind the LSD, the LSD and, stuff. And, yeah. and for sure. There's always well, been well, okay, yeah. That, I yeah. I thought he was trying to make some kind of connection to that because even the beginning of it, I feel I always felt like there was like I know they tell they tell you that it was ingested. They ate it in the food, or they put a small dose of it, or something, right. in their thing. But I always thought that it had a weird connection to that that whole thing about you know that being used during the Vietnam War. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I think I think it was just. I, I I honestly think it was just kind of. It was the writer or the director or both of them both believed in this, but also saw it as a great like way to turn into a fantastical story. So one of the great moments of the film um, is towards the end when you do get all this you do get this explanation from Michael about how he created this chemical that was basically made, uh, created to make the soldiers more aggressive because they felt that the soldiers were too soft to handle a battle like this. Um, and you know, it was when, when I, when I didn't really remember like this emotion, but when I watch it this time, like when I got that whole story and, and realized once again that, Oh my God, these soldiers turned on each other when the whole time you're led to believe that they were being attacked by Mm -hmm. an enemy you know, an outside enemy and they were just fighting back. But then you realize they just went fucking nuts and killed each other and ripped yeah. each other apart. I was like, holy shit, that but, is frightening. But yeah. if you, but that's the, here's the other thing though, is if you don't believe that the latter is real in the movie, then that's not actually what happened. Yeah, then, the v- do, then the Vietnam, Viet Cong killed them. I so. do. I do believe that the latter is real for the purpose of this film. I, I, I like, I, I want to believe it because otherwise it seems kind of like a waste of time, but like that's, what that, and that's kind of where I'm at on it though, is I find I, that's kind of how I feel is like, especially with that ending is is like okay you just kind of verify that what happened didn't happen 
Yeah, but keep it. But keep in mind, though, everything that you, that that we witness in this movie, if it's all a fantasy created by his head, that means these concepts and these ideas were already in his head to begin with. So, one one could surmise that he or other soldiers had already kind of gotten wind or heard rumors that shit like that this was going down. Well, and also let's keep in mind that okay, if <laughs> if we're gonna say this film is being sur- is a surrealist film then none of this could mean a fucking thing. It doesn't matter what it means. It's just it's that there's representations of what right. what he's going through. I mean I mean the rage alone, the fact that it's supposed to make him full of rage, I mean, can you can you relate that to like maybe it's just his, war. His, <laughs> his feelings of his feelings towards the war or the feelings that he had losing his son. I mean you well, could I, you can connect it to yeah, a lot of things. But I mean but you can I mean you could you you don't even need to take a, a conspiracy theory and turn it into that. I mean you can watch exactly. Full Metal Jacket and get the exact same takeaway from that is that right. that soldiers can be filled with rage by simply their training alone. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's a, that's a, that, I mean that's a completely different film that deals with a different topic. But I mean it it it, it does just does it in a different way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I, I do want to talk about the ending a little bit also in terms of like whether or not all of this is just backdrop to the real story, which is him coming to terms with the death of his son. Mm-hmm. I mean that could be. Even I think something so. that obviously was a powerful emotion right. that he had within him and he hadn't dealt with fully, which I think was a huge part of um, his journey in the film was coming to terms with and the probably death of his what, son. what's keeping him going and keeping his body and his mind alive mm-hmm. as he's dying. So he, you know, he's focusing on this this pain that he never really realized or took care of. Right. Right. Exactly. It's all that DMT trip. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's what they say releases in your body when you're yeah. about to die. Boom. That's so, true. That's yeah. true. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that's kind of what I was like. Is that maybe what the latter is representative of? But then again, like it, for me, that was kind because of, that was what my my thinking was, and then that was kind of ruined again by the end when the fucking text come, pops up and was like they were te- you know the, the tested on and blah blah blah, and it was like okay, but that's why in the like in the confines of this film I want to believe that they were actually dosed yeah. you know what I mean they were yeah. actually dosed and some shit went down and who knows maybe he was you know picking up you know the, uh, Michael was obviously working on him in the, in the chopper trying to help save him mm-hmm. in the chopper and like you know I don't know maybe there was some conversation that well, happened in the chopper like yeah, I mean ultimately mm-hmm. you can ultimately if it's all just like to Mike's point, if this is all just surrealist shit, like you I mean, you can you can believe that or whatever you want because it's not set on paper exactly what the answer is. And, and keep in mind, they're they're all it, it it could all just be a giant MacGuffin, anyways. Like I mean, this this is not an uncommon thing that we see in things like I mean, fucking Lost. It's like you know people are still trying to figure out what the fuck you know the island really was and shit but in reality it's about fucking people getting together and like coming to terms with their past like right. really that was the whole concept and, and they, they needed seven seasons or six mm-hmm. seasons to figure that out but i mean like in in a movie like this yeah it could have been it could have been something as coincidental as yes there was a real thing a chemical called the ladder this is how they died and everything that he's experiencing afterwards is like mutually exclusive to any of that, mm-hmm. like this right. is just a man actually dying, which is what we'll all eventually have to That's come to true. terms with these That's things. A good way to it look could at be it. that, or it could be that none of this means anything, and and this is just a story about a guy coming to the sons, and it's all made up. But it doesn't really matter right, because yeah. all we care about is Jacob's journey, where he goes from beginning to end, and how he comes to terms with all of it by the by the finale of the film. Jacob, probably, he probably didn't even have a son. 
<laughs> that motherfucker don't even. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he son. just wanted to fuck his coworker. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. Uh, one of the things I do want to talk about too in this film is the acting. Um, like I said before earlier, I am not the biggest Tim Robbins fan, but I will tell you what, man, this is the first movie I've actually seen him in where I was like, "Fuck yeah, man, he can act his ass off." Yeah, absolutely. This I, yeah. this movie, I mean, Tim Robbins' performance alone. Um, I shouldn't say alone. There's a couple of good ones, but was so powerful to me it made me sad it made me choked up it made me feel like how he was feeling in the film and and you know mm. i'm not i wouldn't say i'm a tim i'm not saying i'm a tim robbins fan but goddamn that dude pulled this off well yeah yeah i agree i mean he, like when he was feeling crazy i was right there with him i was like dude i feel crazy too i don't know what the fuck's going on either bro just the single tears coming out of his eyes at certain moments when he's reflecting back on his his child who's passed away the insensitivity that Jesse has towards that, like, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, man, that just tugged at my heartstrings for mm. sure. She was fantastic, too. Uh, Elizabeth Pina? Pina? Benya. 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 Maybe. She was she was fantastic, man. I thought she was really good. I thought she was pretty good. I liked her And, and the fact that she could bounce around from crazy yes. to caring to... Uh, you know, cold to concerned. It was just, yeah. I mean, she she really hit all the marks. I'll tell you who the who the turd was. Jason Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's all right. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Come on, he's like fucking yeah. five. He did not oh, do a bad man. job. Jesus I'm Christ. sorry. Dakota, 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 star. Dakota Fanning killed it at five. Oh, yeah, Jesus. that's true. <laughs> it is true. She did. But Macaulay Culkin did fine. I mean, like it was. No, I didn't, no honestly, he was. He was not. I didn't he, like him. He, he was not that good in this movie. I dude. didn't like him. We've we've torn other child actors apart in different movies. Have we? Yes. Have we really? Yes, yes. we have. Who? A lot. A lot. Jason from the stuff. The, the Jason from the stuff. <laughs> yeah. The, the kids from Troll Two. All yep. the kids from Troll Two. Like we we're okay, supposed to right. get. We're supposed to give yeah. Macaulay Culkin a, a little break. like a yeah. little break because he he like went on to do a couple other things. No, I just for what? me when I I just didn't feel like he had a really big giant part other than being a symbol of something. And I didn't really give a shit what right? he did. He didn't, and he and but still his like even the way he like, <laughs> what, like maybe maybe it was the director's decision to make him look dead. <laughs> to help with the symbolism of him being dead. Like, even though we got those dark shadows in his <laughs> eyes at fucking six, pulling all nighters and shit. <laughs> yeah, when you're working on this movie, man. Even Jesus. the way, like he was at the end when he was like hugging. Um, yeah, that hug j- looked uncomfortable. Dude, just did not look, look real. Wooden. Look, yeah, it looked wooden. <laughs> wooden. <laughs> and just not welcoming and like, come on, Dad, let's go to heaven at yeah. all. It looked like it, it looked like it looked like he was like counting. It was like hug, one, two. Yeah, hug. you're right. They should have used Elijah Wood. Yeah, I should have murdered him. <laughs> Man, he would have killed it. No, I didn't have a problem, but I, I get what you're saying. It did look a little I mean, like, su- like honestly, when you're surrounded by that well of acting that's going on, like acting that's not like the uh, acting that is flawed, we'll say, is going to stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like in Troll Two, I mean, yeah. we can we can joke around about how bad the kids are, but guess what? Everybody in that fucking film is bad. So <laughs> yeah. like, give yeah. shit. <laughs> you're right. When you have Tim Robbins and Eric LaSalle and Ving Rhames and all these fucking like mm-hmm. actors, you know, Jason Alexander. Like it's an all star cast. Yeah. And, and and I don't think there's any adult actor that is weak in this film. No. No. They're, they're no. solid. Everybody's got a great performance. Danny Aiello as the chiropractor. Shit, the fucking, fucking great. The, the fucking old nurse. 
Oh, yeah, with the horns. With the Ooh. horn in her head and shit. Yeah. yeah, like that. Even she was like, she was a, it was a great performance and a real creepy fucking old woman. Yeah. Such a, such a short, you know, even the minor performances were spot on. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, the, you know, Macaulay Culkin stuck out a little bit as, as the, <laughs> the bad actor, but that's okay. Yeah. Didn't ruin the film. Not the set to be the newbie on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for real. I mean, yeah. you know, but you think... Obviously he, didn't hurt his child acting career, no, so... No, Well, because, you know... Like, nobody saw this one, so that's all right. It's a cute kid. You know, cute kids, they, they last for a while, and then they grow up. Was he, though? I mean, that's what I was waiting for. As they were walking up <laughs> to heaven, I was expecting a paint can to come down. <laughs> just hit Tim Robbins. And then and he, he wakes fly. up, and he's just like, you survived the war. Congratulations. That was the weirdest thing that's ever happened. And then it just ends. Fiend. That was, the, that was the alternative ending that didn't, you know, didn't make the final cut. Test yeah. audience didn't really buy into that Speaking one. Speaking of the final cut, I don't know if we want to get into it now, but there was a f- quite a few deleted scenes in this film that I don't know if they should have been deleted, honestly. Have you seen I, it? I, yeah, I have. Yeah, I, I have seen. I remember seeing like a cut of of some of the deleted scenes, and I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I what, think, in a film like this, like, what's the one that sticks out the most, Chris, of the one of the deleted scenes? Oh, the scene where he uh, takes the antidote. What the antidote? See, you don't even know. Yeah, I fucking so, don't so, <laughs> I had See, seen this idiot? shit. In fucking I, just, I told him I haven't yeah. seen the deleted scenes, and he seems surprised. That I don't know what he's talking okay, about. Okay, so 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 just just to go through it real fast, uh, Michael, after they have, he gives this whole speech about what you know the drug that he created, right. what happened, and all this stuff. He takes him back basically to like um like some kind of shanty apartment uh, mm-hmm. building, and he has an antidote that that gets rid of the demons, gets rid of the visions, and they go in there, and he it's basically in like a, a a vial and a dropper, and he takes this liquid, and there's this whole fucking scene where Tim Robbins is freaking the fuck out, and uh, Michael's there like calm down, calm down, it's all in your mind, it's just in your mind. And this fucking creature is tearing through the fucking ceiling above him, and all this blood is coming down on top of him. And this, these fucking eyes and this mouth are like drooling and dripping blood down on top of him. And mm. y- you think it's basically coming through to like attack him. And he he basically has to get through this experience. And then he comes mm. out, and uh, he thinks it worked, but it didn't work. So huh. interesting. That's I why that was cut. Is that probably because it showed too much of a demon? I would also no, it didn't actually. It was very it still it, maintained yeah, that kind of. It did, yeah. It I did. feel like I can under. I mean, I can see in terms of like grounding it into reality and maybe. Yeah, it I takes mean, away from the like. Did I see what I want? Did I really see what I see? Like to have it even more further explained yeah. as like, no, it's totally a drug, man. You know, like, yeah. totally a thing. Like I can see. Oh well, maybe why you might take I'll go back of that, and but find yeah. It. What do you guys say? We take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about Jacob's ladder. Dr. Carlson, isn't this his office? I'm so sorry. Dr. Carlson died. Died? It was a car accident. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. When? Uh, about a month ago, just before Thanksgiving. No one really knows. I say it blew up. Yeah, we're back. We're talking about Jacob's Ladder. Um, does anyone have some favorite scenes that maybe that stick out to them that they would like to talk about? Anyone? I mean, for me, it's it's hard not to love that uh, dance scene. I think that was the real. But there there are there are times when I feel like the bats and stuff kind of come off a little uh, 
Oh, when oh no, wasn't it? Wasn't Flapping. it? Wasn't bats? It Maybe was like birds, birds that were flying yeah. over. Yeah, I don't know. It's just there are birds from the cages. I don't know why, but there's there are times where I feel like it looks like a party city in there. I don't know. Like it, oh yeah, I don't know. But but the dancing scene that that's that's rough. Like that's a because you don't really ever get to see what what's actually going on. Even when whatever yeah. the fuck goes through her, which I assume is the tail of this creature, or tears. Dick. I mean that's. It, 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 it's an implied dick. Yeah, it, it's it definitely is. implied. Yeah, you know, like yeah, exactly. It shoots, shoots out her mouth. Yeah, right. But yeah, I, it that that's my favorite scene. I think. See, I, for me, it was the subway when he actually jumps out of the way of the train. Which, by the way, I've just got to say this: how, how long does it take you to walk across the subway, bro? Like that took way too. long. I don't know why he had to decide which way to jump. Like but, it could have <laughs> been either way. Like well, because he was because, disoriented. Cause, no, from because. The if you if you notice the the reverse the reverse shot of his vision shows that the track splits into two places. It goes either left oh. or right, and he was like, "Which fucking way is it going?" Oh, I didn't catch that. Wow. Anyways, when he when he jumps and he's laying on the ground, and the train goes by and it's all lit up, and the faces are all pressed against the glass. Mm-hmm. I thought that was creepy as fuck because you couldn't make out the faces, but you can make out the bodies, and they were all staring at him. You can make that out. It's funny. There's a scene in this movie that I think is absolutely like just silly and ridiculous but at the same time the flip side of the scene like the the, the final part of it i think is pretty creepy and, and, and interesting it's a scene where he's walking home and the car out of nowhere just starts coming after him and swerving and trying to hit him and shit yeah i feel like that scene felt really stupid <laughs> but then when he when the car goes past and he goes and, and he turns and looks and it's the dude with the like the white mask mm-hmm. covering his face and it's like doing shaky head and shit. Like I thought that was like a really creepy scene as well. Oh, mine hands down is the scene where he is on the gurney and they're wheeling him through basically the different levels of hell. Like mm-hmm. every, you know, every time they showed it's getting worse and worse, you know, with that wheel spinning yeah. on the gurney. And like all the deformed people that they're going past, and the psychos, and like the dude, uh, the, like the African American guy who has no legs, and you know his head's doing that crazy twitch thing. And when he finally gets to the operating room, and Jesse's in there, and there's the dude, which I'm I'm guessing Silent Hill kind of took took this the from face guy. the faceless dude yeah. who who sticks the syringe through his forehead. That whole that that whole scene I think is is amazing. But then there's another scene that like kind of freaks me out, and that's the scene where when um, Jesse is like, "What's wrong with you?" and then she comes at him, and her face morphs oh, yeah. into that demon. That was a good jump face. scare. I was like, "Oh shit, that's freaky." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was a good jump yeah. scare. Actually, the scene—it's not even a creepy scene, but it was a very. I, I just always found it as a really powerful and kind of de- like depressing and and and. and uh, and scary scene because of the realism is is when he he is hitting that 106 fever and they throw him in the fucking bathtub full of ice and people just keep coming in and pouring more and more yeah. ice cubes on him and he he has the like most genuine fucking freak out and panic attack ever I was just like oh my god You're this guy's fucking me. dying yeah. you know what you know what I said I was like oh man. All his neighbors are seeing his dong yeah. right now it's so vulnerable <laughs> that's what you were thinking yeah. You're so vulnerable. That's that's the that's the freaky part of the scene is you're just being crowded. I was also going to say another scene that made me jump, um, and it's kind of not really a scary scene, but it did make me jump, is when um, the truck runs over the bike 
Oh, when, yeah. when there's a flashback of, you know, Macaulay Culkin going into the middle of the street and it's yeah. the setup to basically how Brilliant. he died. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts back to Tim Robbins and then like does this quick jump cut of the tires screeching over the bike. I was like, oh, I was shit. about to say brilliant sound design on that because that's what take that's the, like I yeah. was one of those moments where I was like kind of drifting off a little bit from that movie. And then that happened. And I pulled me right back in because this it was so damn loud. Yeah, that I was like, "Whoa, what was that? What was that? What was that?" Okay, yeah, so you saying that 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 kind of want to I want to lead it into a little some of the negative aspects that I kind of felt about the film, and I feel like the big yeah. negative of this things, it like this the pacing of this film. Is, oh is my a god, little rough, dude. It's it's not a little rough. It's a, it's a lot of rough in my opinion. And you're okay, a lot of rough. Yeah, okay, it's it's I, a, I, it was hard that bad but i mean it, like it's a two hour it's a two hour film that felt like a three hour lord of the rings okay uh anybody else i will I, disagree with that but okay. um okay. i i I'll, I'll agree that it does come off um a little slow in some parts for sure but i mean mike you I mean you you associate this film to kind of the talent you know giallo yeah, yeah, films yeah. and i mean that that's kind of a constant in suspense thriller films is you're not gonna get the high speed hit you in the face with action shit all the time. It's gonna be a they, all this stuff is kind of a slow build because you're you're well, slowly building well, the suspense. I even feel like the action stuff was slow. That's what I'm saying. I I, I do want to talk about that because I I do feel like if, if we're gonna use the word like we well, use, the, use the word action. No no no. I don't want to use the word action at all. <laughs> I want to use the word that we've used before as like a, a film being a slow burn. Yeah. I feel like this was always a simmer. It was yes. never. Yep. It was never a. There was never a climactic mm. fire. Nope. Like we weren't waiting for anything. I felt like it, it never the, really. It was the like same it level throughout. It was very like it, it was up a little bit. Uh, no, because like even from the you from the very beginning you get you get you get like disturbing images. Like you don't even get eased into it. it just it just starts with disturbing images and then never lays off that and and I think by the time the film's over because it is a two hour film like I was desensitized of it mm-hmm. like I was just like okay here's another vision I'll agree with the uh, with the intro um, with, with the intro with the build up of that and then the scene of seeing the train go by I did think that scene probably could have been chopped down like a minute or two to make it just a little snappier Dude, him, I feel like him walking across those tracks took 30 minutes that part didn't bother me though oh, because it it's like uh, you're not gonna just like go skipping across fucking electrified tracks. You're gonna like yeah, but take I, your fucking time. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> the, no, I, there's a, there's 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 taking your time and then there's fucking taking a slow crawl. Like that train was miles away. God damn it! It took forever to get there. I, I, I it, like that's my that, that is my one big gripe with this film is the pacing is just like this film is too long. It's too long. It could you could have cut too long. You could cut thirty minutes out of it. It'd been a great film. I don't think it's too long. I think some scenes could have been chopped a little bit or rearranged a touch, but I don't think it's too long. The length doesn't bother me as much as the pacing. But well, that's part of the that's part of the pacing. Plus, I was engaged in the story the whole time, even when there's slow parts going on. I was still finding myself questioning, like, is this reality? Is this See, not reality? Because and I thought that was the fun of it. Because of the pacing, is I was in and out of of like caring, mm. like honestly, honestly, like I was like, this is taking too long and then when i got to the end i was expecting a lot more you know and then i got okay he's just he's just dead all right so all right that ain't that, well we got there we got that out of our systems guys <laughs> are we good? <laughs> all right all right chris what are we rating it we're gonna rate this bags of ice bags of ice okay i will go first i will say 
even though I have a problem with the pacing and I, I don't think it's as a disturbing film as people uh, may, maybe made it out or I have made probably made it out in my head because of what people said. Um, man, is this a solid fucking movie? I will say that. Like, um, I w- I I actually was was uh, was a fan of this film. Like like Tim Robbins gave a great performance. Um, it did make me question a lot of things. Uh, as far as like what was reality, what wasn't. Maybe I was a little disappointed with the ending, but it does not stop what happened up until you know that that happened. Um, I I think that uh, this does need another watch for me. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to give it a 3.5 right now, but barring another watch, I think it could get higher the more I, I kind of get into it more, more I understand it. So I will say pretty solid film 3.5. Let's go with Mike next. Uh, I'd give it a 3.5 as well. Um, if you had asked like kid me or teenage me throughout the years that I've actually seen this film, I, I, I remember kind of going into this film thinking like it was the absolute shit. Like this is such a great film. Um, nowadays, like kind of looking back on now, now looking at it and going back to it, it I, 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 it has what I, what I want to now call the event horizon effect where I think something super fucking badass, And then I kind of look at it and I see the flaws objectively of it. Yeah. Um, I, I still have a problem with the pacing a little bit of this film. I think it's real slow. And, um, there are times also when like, I feel like it's creepy image, and then another creepy image, and another creepy image, and those are just the plot points, and I'm kind of slogging through story just to get to these points sometimes. So it has that against it. That's why I'm probably not going to give it like a four or a five. It has an eerie feel to it, but sometimes I feel like it it takes me a while to get from point A to point B to C to D. You know? I guess that's a problem that I have with the film, looking at it now, at, at my age now. So uh, I'm going to take it as a, a three and a half. Uh, what did we say? Jacob's what? bags of ice. All right. Kyle? Um, yeah, this is a... Uh, I came into this podcast um, kind of on the same level as you guys. 3.5 is what I was going to give it. Um, and after sitting on it for a day and just kind of thinking through the film and thinking through the conversations, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually bump it up to a four. Um I liked this movie a lot when I was a kid when I saw it. I thought it was really uh, just an incredible visual journey. Sound effects are solid, and special effects were on point. And I think the story that it tells and the way it makes you question the reality that's, that, that's happening or not, I think, I think it's fantastic storytelling. Um, yeah, I think last night when I watched it, yeah, I was, I was having a little issue with the pacing in some, some parts. But I, I can see how this film affected other forms of pop, pop culture, particularly speaking to Silent Hill. And I think that's a really exciting kind of thing. And I think that that's telling of a, a of the visual aspect of this film for sure. I would definitely recommend this movie. I mean, I'm not going to talk it up as saying this is like the most disturbing or crazy film you're ever going to see. Because compared to today's standards, it's rather tame. But it still has mood and tone that I don't think modern films do a good job of capturing. I so, can agree with that, definitely. Um, yeah, four for me, I guess. Um, I was going to try to find a way to shoehorn a joke in here, but Mike, Mike, I just haven't found the right place to do it. You know, all episode, I was trying to find a way to explain that uh, 
at the end of this movie, it's basically you just watched the most depressing episode of MASH ever, but <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't found a good spot to put it in. <laughs> All right, last but not least, Chris. I'm giving this five bags of ice. Oh, okay. come on. Can we, yep, absolutely. On. Can I, I am. tell you how I knew he was going to do that? Was the stink face he was giving fucking everybody when they gave their reviews and whatever he was writing on his computer to Kyle the whole time. It so, was, he wasn't writing shit. I looked over. He was on some weird Facebook page, and the background image was some buff dude wearing a hat, like <laughs> laying out on a couch, like fucking Titanic style. Well, so. th- well thanks for listening right. to everybody's Somebody reviews. Was, enough. Somebody or a friend requested me. <laughs> 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 very surprised yeah i'm giving this five bags of ice and you know whatever it's not obviously your guys rating that's fine everybody's entitled to four fuck opinion. you yeah no, no Chris, i was actually gonna entitled to your rating i was actually either. gonna commend you on on your four but um Good. you know Keep apparently fuck me so um, <laughs> that's okay i take it back i actually was talking to mike i was looking at, I was looking at you oh, though. Okay. i was looking at you and talking to mike cody does it all the time yeah, no. Um, I'm giving this a five. I I love this movie. I have absolutely zero problem with any of the pacing in this film. I think it is a slow burn film, but I think the mood carries it. Um, the 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 visuals uh, maybe aren't as disturbing as it might have been hyped up to be, but I still think they're completely effective. Going back and watching it, I love Tim Robbins' performance in this. It actually draws emotion out of me when I watch it. I think the story, um, it's its nightmarish wonderment. Like, you know, you're constantly discovering new things, thinking new things about the story, wondering if, like, what what really happened? What's really going on? Um, and, uh, you know, for that, I, I have to say this, this is this is a great film and I, I definitely highly recommend it. Um, I can't even say that it's nostalgic for me because I think I got more out of this viewing than I did any of the previous viewings, you know, after doing this podcast and really, you know, analyzing something. I think it's a beautiful film. And uh, yeah, so it's going it's going to be a full five bags of ice for me. Five bags of ice for Chris. Guys, that's our show for this week. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you follow us on social media at Colt Film underscore review on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow our YouTube page. We really appreciate that. Follow us on Facebook. We do have that review, so we're going to give that a shout-out right now as soon as Kyle pulls it up. So this is this is by Apex Murphews, and the title is Podcast That Really Lasts. And it simply says, awesome reviews for awesome movies. Give it a listen. That was Five a, stars. That was an awesome review. Thank you very much. That was an awesome review. We appreciate it, You're guys. You're awesome. If you thank you, Kyle. If you no, <laughs> no, 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 don't take it away from See him. See what I did? No. Don't take See it away I from her. Apex is awesome, Cody. Okay, I'm yeah. all right. No, thank you very much for your review. Remember, guys, if you give us a review, we'll give you a shout out on the show. You can always follow Kyle. You can follow me on Instagram at cultfilm underscore Kyle. You can follow Chris at cultfilm underscore Chris on Instagram. You can follow Mike at at Mike's Lucio on Twitter. And you can follow me at VHS Collect on Instagram. That's our show for this week. Remember, if you're going to join the cult, just make sure they watch good movies. We'll see you next time.